Welcome to Make It Happen, a podcast for bloggers and creatives. You're listening to episode number 14. Welcome to the show guys, I'm Jen Carrington of jennyper.co.uk and I have a really awesome interview to share with you today. I caught up with Melissa from the Nectar Collective and she shares with us today a little bit of the behind the scenes of her story and her journey so far. We talk about making money as a blogger and a business owner online, the biggest business lesson she's learned so far in her journey and also a little bit of the behind the scenes into her experience of bringing a team onto the Nectar Collective. This is a really great episode and Melissa really shares with us a ton of great insights and advice for any bloggers and freelancers and creative entrepreneurs and I really think you're going to enjoy this one. Let's jump in. Hi Melissa, welcome to the show. Hello, so excited to be here. No, it's awesome. Thank you for making time today. Um, I'm sure everybody listening knows who you are because I've been reading your blog for as long as I think I've been reading blogs. But um, do you do you want to share who you are, your story, and kind of just a little bit behind the scenes of Melissa and what you do and what you get up to? Yeah, absolutely. So my story actually began when I lived in Japan. I was an English teacher right out of college, moved to Japan, didn't know Japanese, didn't know anyone who lived in Japan, but I was like, I needed to get out of my routine. So I'm just going to move here and hopefully become inspired. Um, So I moved to Japan right after college and I worked as an English teacher in a very rural area. Um, I later moved to Tokyo and worked as an English teacher there. So I, while living in Japan, I kind of, I mean, I loved it. It was such a unique experience, uh, definitely something that I've never done anything like that before. But something that I realized I was missing in Japan was this sense of community because as a foreign person living in Japan, it was hard to feel, even after I gained some Japanese language skills um, and felt like I could hang out with Japanese people and be okay with it, I still didn't feel quite integrated into the community. And I was also kind of lacking that creative outlet. So while I was working at a preschool in Japan, I started my blog and my blog was very focused at that time on self-development and helping people become more creative. So um, before my blog, before I had any readers, I would just share with like my Facebook friends. I started something called Good Livings, which was just like a month, a full month of prompts, worksheets, projects to help people have a better life. So nobody, of course, like joined in that. I think I had an Instagram challenge with one participant, but I was so gung ho about my blog and really just wanted to build this sense of community. And at the time I was working um, at that preschool, it was a new preschool founded by this really entrepreneurial woman um, and she needed somebody. She just kind of asked all the teachers, can somebody design a flyer for our school? And I had practiced Photoshop a lot. It was a hobby of mine for many years. So I was like, oh, I can do it. And um, I did it. I designed the flyer and she like went crazy. She loved it. And um, that moment kind of changed things for me because I had my blog and now I had somebody who was giving me this validation that I had a talent in something. So I designed everything for the school, posters, flyers, um, everything you can imagine. And, um, And then I moved on to another school later on. And at that point, my blog was about eight 
eight months old and I had been living in Japan for two years and um, was starting to slowly grow this community on my blog and decided to start offering design services. So kind of given that experience that I had at my previous school, I thought maybe I could make a job out of this. Design offered design services and it was a slow start, but I did make a, a minimal income at first. And within a few months, I kind of reached this point where I thought I'm not really making that much money, but I'm making enough to survive. So I'm just going to quit my job and hope that things work out, that um, having this extra time will allow me to create a business that I can run full time. So I quit my job before I really could say that I was ready. Um, and that is really how things began. So I started my design services about a year after that. I started offering blog coaching and consulting, which has been so much fun. Um, so up until now, my business has been very client focused. Um, and it's been around for about two, two and a half years now. So at this point, I'm transitioning into doing something a little bit different. Um, I stopped taking on clients and now I'm focused entirely on making e-courses and e-books because I really feel like I just have a lot to share with people and I want to build that sense of community. Community has always been number one for me. So really bringing people together to learn, um, to harness their talents and to feel safe and comfortable to pursue their dreams. So that's where I'm at now. Um, that's how it started. I was just about to ask, like, are you scared about such a big trans transition but then I thought to myself wait you're the girl who moved to Japan without <laughs> even being able to speak Japanese so I have a feeling that you're a pretty fearless person <laughs> yeah it's funny I don't think of myself as a fearless person but then sometimes I just wake up and do crazy things so I don't feel super scared I just have this like feeling that things will work out as long as I push myself and just try to try my best, I guess, which sounds like the most basic advice. But I think things usually work out. No, I, I love how positive that is. Because I mean, like when, like you said earlier, you quit your job back in Japan and to just to go for it. Was it a similar feeling back then that you knew it was going to work out with the design business? Absolutely. It was the exact same feeling. And that's how I knew that I needed to just quit design and start this because it was the same feeling that I had back then. That's exciting. I'm excited for you. And I think this this leads next into next, the next topic really well because you shared a post recently on can you still make a living as a blogger? Now, I think that was your post, wasn't it? You I, On the next, yeah, so, and, um, and I loved it. I think it's such an interesting topic at the moment, especially because... I came from, so I when I started my blog, it was a personal blog. So it was a beauty blog and a lifestyle blog. And I was kind of in that whole beauty, fashion, lifestyle community. And the way that that community monetizes is the traditional way that you mentioned in this post. So adverts, affiliate links, kind of working with brands, sponsorships. And then you brought up the kind of flip side to this topic now of kind of, okay, how do we really make money with our blogs in 2015 and 2016 and the things that we assume are the answer are not always the answer so I would love to kind of know your thoughts on it and what you've learned as someone who is kind of you know you've used your blog for two different you, you've used your blog as a business tool marketing tool and now you're using your blog as a tool to promote products in the future so I guess yeah I'd love to know your thoughts on what you've learned yeah so I, I started my blog in a similar fashion um, utilizing ads affiliate links sponsorships sponsored posts, all of those things I've tried. And none of them compare to how much money you can make and how much of a profitable business you can create by 
doing things a little bit differently. So using your blog, not as a way to make direct income necessarily, but as a way to grow your community and grow it as a marketing tool. So I have no doubt that my blog is the reason that my design and blog coaching business was successful in like a year or in just a few months, how I got clients the first month that I put my services out there. So I know that my blog is, it's kind of like a hub for everything that I do. And I think that if people look at it that way, where you're growing this hub for all the awesome things that you're capable of and that you can share with people, then it just kind of creates this different um, dynamic for you where you don't have to rely on affiliates or sponsorships where you can create your own services. You can create your own eBooks, e-courses, um, and really just think outside the box to offer what you're experienced in and what you're most interested in to really honestly make more money too. Oh, definitely. Like I, I sounds like we had a really similar journey because my blog, when I, when I, when it was just a personal and like a lifestyle beauty blog, it wasn't, it was never my job, but it was, I made a bit of, you know, side income with it, but I actually did not enjoy making money from sidebar advertising, affiliate links. I only think I ever did one sponsored post because I, I just, I just, it just didn't feel like me and I you know when you get paid now from doing an awesome client job and you get so excited or when you create a product that you love and people you get so excited I didn't feel like that when I was getting paid from sidebar ads because I just didn't feel like it just didn't feel good so like you then when I launched my business I booked clients within the first few days first few weeks because I had the audience who I'd got ready to launch my business to and so I think that's a very, I think it's a lot easier to launch a business to an audience that already exists. Whereas a lot of people these days I know are starting off with that awesome business idea and building that audience from scratch. And I know something you talk, you share so many great tips and advice on your blog about building traffic and building kind of an email list and all these things to, so I guess for anyone listening who doesn't want to go down the sponsorship route, doesn't want to go down the advertising route, really wants to go down the using their blog as a hub, but they don't have the audience yet. I mean, what would be your biggest advice for those people? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, So I would honestly start by building incredible content that is geared towards your ideal client or customer because these are the types of people who are going to be Googling for your stuff, who are gonna be searching on Pinterest for specific posts or keywords. So you want them to be able to find your post. Um, And I kind of think of blogging as like a tree where your blog is the trunk, it's like the hub of everything. And then things like your email list or your social media are the branches that come off of that tree. So I I feel it's really important to have that kind of well-rounded view of your blog, where you're growing a community on social media, you're also growing your email list while in cre- creating awesome content on your blog, which sounds like a lot, but it's, it's really not that much. It's not, it's a lot more manageable than it's, I'm making it sound. You're not really growing like a tree. <laughs> you're just growing like, you know, an Instagram. I, I love that. Carry on. Sorry. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and the point isn't that you have to grow this huge following. It's just that you're growing a community where your ideal client or customer can hang out. So you're creating content for them. You're on Instagram, liking their photos or creating something, maybe like a hashtag that attracts them. Um, or creating content like tips 
um, on Instagram or Pinterest, whatever it may be, to attract those people, or you're offering content upgrades or a lead magnet magnet, or opt-in freebie on your blog to get people to subscribe to your email list. So you're just focused on creating awesome content for your ideal client or customer. And as long as you promote it on social media and your blog, then people will start to come. And on top of that too, just like one more thing, I would recommend finding people in your niche who are doing what you want to do or who are starting to do what you want to do and reaching out to them, building relationships with them, because the more you can connect with people who are doing what you want to do, the easier it will be to have that support system to actually do it yourself. So true. I couldn't agree anymore with everything you said. And I love the tree example. Any of my clients who are listening right now are going to, I, the thing that I have not stopped harping on about to all of them recently is how as our online content is an ecosystem. This is how I see it. It's probably similar to the tree analogy. And it's like, it, it all feeds into each other, but they all have to be purposeful on their own because if I think it's really important that we give our blog and, our, and all of our social media channels and even all of our other types of content, like a podcast or videos, a purpose of their own so that we're not just flailing about like a tree in the wind. <laughs> like we're not just, I feel like um, content and sharing online can be so powerful, but only if we're really purposeful and intentional with it and we don't just, you know, put something out there for the sake of it. And so I, I love, and I love what you said about connecting with people in your niche because that's the biggest that's the greatest thing because you you have a support system around you and you can collaborate, which is the which is so great. It's collaboration has been probably for both of us. I imagine like such a great tool for personal growth and audience growth as well. And so yeah, I loved I loved all of them. Thank you so much for sharing them. And uh, something another one of your blog posts that I really loved reading actually um, when I first took the leap into running my own business, Melissa's blog. I haven't even told Melissa's, but Melissa's blog was a huge resource of it of encouragement for me because you shared so transparently your journey into entrepreneurship entrepreneurship so you shared I mean how long it took you until it was making a full-time income you you shared that you just took that leap and you had that leap of faith kind of into what you were doing and it was so encouraging for me when I was getting started how transparent you were because it kind of answered those those questions in the back of my head that I just couldn't know the answers to yet and you shared recently a post on the nine things that you've learned from running your own business and I loved it it was so transparent and it was so open and I guess I mean we probably don't have time to go through all nine of them but for anyone listening who's kind of getting started or thinking about it what would be say the three biggest lessons you've learned from running your own business so far okay well first of all thank you so much for saying that about my blog that means a lot to me Um, I'm really glad that it could help you now for some of the things that I've learned Honestly, I think the biggest lesson I've learned is to respect yourself, your business, your blog, and your clients. So it's all about respect. Like it's not about money or growing a following. It's about respecting the people that you're trying to create content for or um, that you're trying to help through your business. And I think a lot of that respect too goes, goes into like when you're starting your 
your business and a client will ask for something like, can I have this, even though it's not included in the price, or can you do this for me on a Saturday? And um, I think respect is kind of just about setting those expectations and those boundaries with your clients or your readers or anyone um, in your, your life, in your business, your blog. So having the respect for yourself to be able to say no, to set those boundaries and um, create a very professional business in that way. So I think that that, that has been really important for me. Um, and kind of going off of respect, I'll say that this is number two, is to not let yourself feel guilty about if how you run your business. So a lot of people who are starting a creative business probably came from the corporate world or maybe like me or a teacher or some other kind of job where you're working a nine to five or you have a very specific schedule. So when I started my business, it was really hard for me to get into that nine to five mindset. Like I would wake up, I would think I need to do work right now and I need to finish by five. Otherwise I'm not being successful or I feel really guilty about myself um, because I'm working too much or too little or I'm working in weird spurts throughout the day. So really let go of those, um, those preconceptions that you have about what it means to run a successful business because the most successful people who are running their own businesses are doing things differently anyways. So you don't have to run a business just like everybody else. You can kind of change things. You can do what feels comfortable for you. Um, and to just not feel guilty about that, to be able to run your business in a way that makes you feel happy and joyful and successful. I love that. I love that. Thank so much. you. Yeah, that that has really changed things for me just being able to to do me, I guess. <laughs> yeah, I think the freelance guilt, it took me I'm only just getting out of that now. Because because it's like you said in my head, oh, I should I should work a night I should work from 9am till 5pm. And if I, you know, some days I'll work 15 hours, some days I'll work five hours if it's just a five hour kind of day and I'm not feeling it anymore and I want to go to the cinemas or I just want to get into bed and watch Netflix. I mean, those days happen and I, and I, and some days say, even if I've say worked six days in a row, this is probably really bad work-life balance and people should never get into this situation. But even if I've worked six days, full days in a row, if I want to take a day off, I start really being horrible to myself about it, like really feeling guilty for wanting to take time off because I'm like well time is money you know gotta look after my business and it's it's awful like we shouldn't have to work I mean I think we I spoke about this with my episode with Corey and uh, I think that was like episode seven and um yeah that 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 nine to five mindset can really keep us small and I think so many of us got into this in the first place for freedom like I started my own business because I wanted a life of freedom I didn't want to be tied down to something else or someone else's routine yeah I was putting those restrictions on myself so I, I love that you said that because I think um, it'd be that's something that not many people talk about either when it comes to running a business and I think the respect yourself point is so important and I, I, I don't know if you struggled with this but I think one of the hardest things as when you're self-employed is explaining your self-employment to people who aren't oh self-employed yes <laughs> trying to tell people that yes I work from home but that doesn't mean that I don't do anything all day <laughs> you can't just come around to my house whenever yeah. you want and I can't just you know do all your errands for you just because I'm at home in the day it's I think that one is a huge, setting boundaries 
in your in yourself in your business but also setting boundaries with people who don't get what it means to just because you work from home doesn't mean your housewife is I think the important one what was your third point I'm in, interested to hear what that one yeah would be. my third point would be to kind of still going on this respect theme respecting your business by investing back into it so I see so so many people who who do say I'll invest into my business or I'll invest into my blog after it starts making money. And I think that mindset is absolutely backwards because to start a profitable business or blog, you need some certain things in place that require you to invest in it. So it's, it's kind of like you're trying to make something happen, but you can't make it happen unless you, you invest some money into it. And it doesn't have to be a lot of money. It could just be like, $10 for something to schedule your social media every month and to incrementally work your way up after your business or your blog starts to make you more money um, so that you can invest in other things that will help your business. But investing into programs, e-courses, especially um, programs, e-courses, anything that will help you to increase your knowledge or effectiveness is going to be an asset for your business or your blog. Definitely. And I also think when you put your money into it, you take it a lot more seriously. And I think that is, I find, I don't, you probably found this too with your, because you do blog coaching and I work with, I do a lot of coaching. And um, when people invest in their own growth and their own development, they're going to work so much harder than if they got what you're giving them for free because they've put their money where their mouth is and they've made this investment so they're gonna make the most out of it and I think I mean I remember when I first started I think I think the biggest thing that I did was invest in Squarespace for my website but I invested in that every month so I was gonna work like really hard to make sure that it was a worthwhile investment and I invested in e-courses and different books and different loads of different things along the way and I think when we put our money where our mouth is that's when we know we're really in the game if we're on the sidelines you know just making a blogger and not even like having a dot blogspot url and not even willing to buy the domain for example like that's when we know that we're, we're just giving ourselves a, a easy exit route whereas when we're in it for real that's when this is real this means something and you know yes. i think that's i think that's a that's that leap that people take yeah i'm so glad that you said that because exactly when you invest in yourself and your vision you give it worth and importance in your mind if you don't do that then it's kind of just like something that's unnecessary or you don't need it right so I I totally agree with that point and it's just a it's really just all talk if you're not I mean I know what it's like and I'm I'm sure I'm sure when you started your business and then you quit your job you can really like this I know what it's like to start from absolutely nothing like I started my business with no money behind me but every time I made money I'd put it back into the growth of my business you know I wasn't going I can't remember the last time I had I've said this before I cut my own hair even though I can't afford to get myself a haircut I'm so used to cutting my own hair and also I hate small talk at the hairdressers (laughs) (laughs) and I, I I don't go out and buy new clothes when I make when I have like a really good month in business the first thing I do is say to my boyfriend okay what can I buy to invest back into my business can I buy new equipment can I invest in further learning further development can I get new tools that's what excites me now about spending money is how can I make my business grow not okay where can I I mean I like dresses and jeans as much as the next girl but that's not gonna help me go to the next level so yeah, I'm a I'm a big believer in putting our money and also putting our time. Like, if you don't have the money to invest, your time and your energy is just as valuable. If, like, for example, 
if right now you're in a place where you can only consume free information there's a difference between just skimming blog posts and and feeling like that's productive or actually sitting down and using the awesome free advice that people like Melissa put out there I mean you have tons of awesome stuff on the blog in the newsletter content upgrades I mean there's a difference between just skimming that and actually sitting down and working through it and implementing that information into your routine so even if you don't have the money invest your energy in what you want to make happen because we only get out of life what we put into it is what I think what that's what I found in my life yes I'm like fist pumping you right now I love that (laughs) (laughs) I I think we can't complain about not getting to where we want to be if we're not willing to fight that to get yeah absolutely absolutely and even though starting a business and running a business is so tough and hard it's so worth it when when you have them good days and those wins Mm -hmm. and those successes along the way it's worth the stress totally totally (laughs) And I, I, so something I love about the Nectar Collective is its evolution over the years. And it's now, it's not, it's not even a blog anymore. It's a, it's a, it's a website. It's a whole community. And I love that you have this team on board the blog. I mean, how long has it been now since you've had the team on? I think about seven months. They started in January, I believe. Oh, wow. And so I, I guess, I mean, a lot of people out there, I imagine we'll probably also have that big vision one day of running a website with a team on board and managing a team. And I'm really curious to know what made you want to take that leap into having a team on your blog and also kind of what you've learned from it and your advice for anyone listening who wants the team, but they're maybe a little bit anxious about opening up their, like giving up control completely of their space. Yeah. Um, so I knew from the beginning of my blog that I wanted it to be this community contributor feel to it. I really didn't want to start a business or blog that revolved around me. I wanted it to revolve around the community. So um, bringing on contributors was something I always wanted to do. Um, and when I did it, I I would recommend this kind of process. I had applications on my blog and people could apply given the application process. So a lot of people did apply and I ended up having a second application. I picked a few people from that first pool and then told them that they could apply via this little bit more extensive second application. And then from there I picked five contributors. Um, And for anybody who wants to have contributors on their blog or is looking to start doing this kind of model on their blog, I would recommend doing this application process or finding people or even a combination of both, finding people in your niche who are really on par with your vision, um, your energy, your personality, and your blog's brand as a whole. So that was really, really important to me that I was not only giving awesome information via these new contributors to my readers, but I was also giving the information in a way that felt natural to them. So it wasn't like my voice suddenly changed completely or the Nectar Collective became this completely different, um, completely different personality every time a different contributor posted. Of course, everyone does have their own personality, which makes it so awesome, but very important to find people who echo the same type of voice and tone that you already do on your blog, because then it will make the transition a lot easier for your readers. And it will just make it awesome for them because it's like getting a bunch of you (laughs) all the time, except with people who are more experts in certain areas. So bringing on contributors um, also for that reason is awesome because I mean, as much as we try to do it all on our blog, there are just certain things that you don't know enough about or you haven't experienced or you're just not knowledgeable about. 
And that's okay. That's totally fine. So bringing on contributors gives you, the, gives you the opportunity to share with your readers about all these things that you don't know about, but somebody else does. And this other person that you've selected is super awesome. So they can share about this topic with confidence and knowledge. So I've loved having the contributors. Um, I wish there was a way for all of us to meet up in real life. We all live in different places. Uh, only one contributor lives in Southern California with me. But other than that, we're all over the place. So hopefully one day when the Nectar Collective goes big or something, if, if that happens one day, then I definitely want to have a, a meetup or something with all the contributors. I love them. I think you should have like a Nectar Collective blogging conference. That would be That awesome. would be so awesome. Yeah. One day, one day. I, I do love how it transitions really well in terms of um everyone all your contributors it's it's like a nectar collective vibe throughout everything but everyone has their own voice i love it i think it's um it's a really interesting vibe to your blog now with all these different voices on there and i think it's i for me that would be the scariest thing to do because I, because i'm so used to it being my space but i think you've done an awesome job so it's it's exciting to see and i think yeah no you're i love what i one of the things i also really love about the nectar collective is even though you're about being an entrepreneur and being a blogger you also have some really awesome just like lifestyle like really not fluffy you have really like in-depth human lifestyle content kind of self-development I think you put it under mm, don't yeah. you yeah and I love that you're not afraid to kind of talk about I mean I, I feel like someone could read your blog who isn't a business owner and still take something away from it yeah, you know yeah I I kind of wanted to design it that way because I feel like I didn't want to just create a blog where I'm giving advice for people who want to be a blogger and business owner because I think when we're so gung-ho about following our dreams and we pursue our dreams like nonstop, which is what a lot of us do. Um, and that's awesome. But I think there's also this self-development or growth or self-healing piece to the puzzle that we need to take into consideration where we're respecting ourselves. We're learning about ourselves as human beings before we can grow um, this awesome business. So a lot of there's probably at least once a week, there's some sort of self-development or self-help post that hopefully gets people to start thinking about the other areas of their life to create this balance and this um, holistic view of running a business as a human being. I love that. I love that. I'm going to when I listen to this back during the editing process, I'm going to be nodding along <laughs> because I couldn't I couldn't agree with that more. And I, I'm just I really am glad that you're a voice for that in this community, because I think it's so important. And I have before we jump into the end of the show, I have one question that I want to ask you. And so I see the Nectar Collective is so successful. Like you have created something that is fantastic and it's so successful, but you you don't rest on that success. Like you're always taking it to the next level. Like I see, I feel like you're always pushing forward and you're always, you don't just rest on your success, which I really respect you for. And I'm wondering, where do you find that constant, you, you have this constant motivation to keep going and you don't rest on your success. And I think resting on your success is possibly how people can hold themselves back. So I would love to know kind of how you continue to up level what you do and never hit a ceiling because I think you do that so like you keep moving forward so well. That's a phenomenal question and super sweet. <laughs> you're so sweet. I mean it honestly like I I mean it like I I I see what you're doing cuz I I'm there you know on Twitter and I and you're t I see I feel like you're always pushing it to the next level even though you're so success su successful that you could just stop right now but you don't and I wonder is that because do you feel like there's a bigger purpose that's always pushing you forward and forward? Yeah, um, I think you kind of answered it there. I mean, it's it's hard to say 
but I do think that there is, I, I honestly feel like in all of my business, big business decisions, I'm just following my intuition, which sounds kind of crazy. Um, sounds kind of like, I don't know, hippie-ish or something, but I think I'm like a hippie at heart. But um, I definitely think that just harnessing your intuition and feeling like, what do you feel in your heart is the right thing to do? What do you what will give you the most joy or passion? Where do you see your heart leading yourself? Um, and it sounds crazy when I say it, even to me, but all of the decisions that I've made in my life, the big decisions like moving to Japan, starting a business, um, now starting a new business, quitting my old business, um, are just decisions that I've made kind of almost spur of the moment. I'm not a very calculated person in terms of making those big life decisions, which probably also sounds crazy, but I generally just follow my intuition. So when I get those kind of flutters of I need to be doing something else, then I, I really channel that energy and try to put it into my business. And then, like you mentioned, too, just thinking about what do people need and how can I help them in the biggest way possible? So I felt like in my business that I was running, it was making for me, it felt like a lot of money. Um, and I was working with a lot of people and doing work that I was proud of, but I wasn't helping as many people as I wanted to. I wasn't getting out my, the things that I've learned that I feel like are just bottling up inside of me. I needed to get them out and just help more people with the things that I've learned on my journey. So, um, I think it all kind of goes together, following your intuition and then seeing how you can help your community in the biggest way possible and listening too. So listening to what do your people need? What are they asking for? What are they asking? What kind of questions are they asking you? Um, and then channeling that energy into your business and not being afraid to do things that you've never done or that anyone else has ever done. I just nodded along the whole way because when, when you said things and you were like, I know that sounds a little crazy. I had this moment in my head like, oh my God, I'm not the only person who functions like that. <laughs> Good. Because that is exactly how I go through life. I'm very just... I really, I actually really believe that listening to our intuition as business owners is so important because we can follow all the calculated, formulaic, strategic decisions that we want. But if it's not coming from something inside of us, we're not going to execute it in the best way possible. And I make the most spur of the moment decisions that I just run with. So I, I love that I'm not the only crazy person who <laughs> is, a, is a hippie at heart. But no, I thank, thank you. I know I sprung that question on you, but thank you for sharing that with us because I think that mentality is something that anyone listening can really take with them in the work that they do so that they can continue to just be of service to the people that they want to be a service as a service to. I this earlier today I was hitting a bit of a resistance. I don't know if you whether you ever go through this, but I was feeling really kind of down about things. I wasn't happy with something I'd wrote. Like how you know when you're writing stuff and you're like, oh I could write better. And I was just feeling really down and kind of self-doubt and I sat there and I was like okay I need to get over this because I've got too much to do today to be dealing with this and I was like I had to remember one thing and I had to remember that it isn't about me it's about the people who I'm showing up for and my ego is just getting in the way when I'm worried about not being good enough and if I I I had to just be like it's not about me it's about the clients who I who I need to serve it's about the audience who I need to serve it's about the community that I need to serve and that kind of made me stop my whining so I think yeah when we make it about community and serving others that just pushes us forward way more than just serving our own needs I think definitely that's so. such a good point I actually had a week like that 
that a day like that last week where I just felt so down on myself. Um, I cried about it too. I was just feeling really unconfident and unsure of myself. Um, but exactly what you said, just thinking about how many people you could be helping and that you're, you need to get rid of your own ego. It's not about you. It's about the people that you're serving. So that's, that's an awesome point that you brought up. I'm glad to know I'm not the only one who cries a little bit when they're feeling <laughs> Honestly, this has been this has been great. And I have two questions that I ask everyone who comes on the show and I'm really excited to hear your answers. So the first one is for anyone listening right now who's working super hard to make big things happen, whether they're in the beginning or the middle or, or like you in a transition stage in their business, what would be your biggest advice for them moving forward? Yeah, so I am going to break the rules a little and share two things. The first one is... That's okay. (laughs) Thank you. The first one is to focus on creating community. So don't build your business around money. Uh, Money might be important at first, but don't build your business around money. Build your business on community and the money will come. Um, And my second piece of advice is... So going back to my my story um, at the very beginning where I worked at a preschool and the teacher, the, the head of the school asked me if I would design something for the school, flyers, business cards, whatever. And I did it and she loved it. Um, and that moment really gave me clarity and it gave me permission. It gave me permission to follow my dreams or a passion or a hobby of mine that I've I've always loved. And to be able to do it as a business, because I never really believed in myself or thought that my talents could create a business. So she gave me permission to um, do that. So my advice to anyone listening is to be your own permission giver. So you don't need somebody to validate your ideas. You don't need somebody to tell you that what you have to offer is good enough. All you need is yourself to give yourself permission to tell yourself that What you have is something that people need and that you're helping people by sharing your talents and your gifts. So it's all about putting yourself out there, investing in your dreams, um, respecting yourself and your business and your blog, and just being your own permission giver. I love that. Thank you for sharing that with us. I think that's, I can... I can actually really relate to this. I probably will dig into this more in a podcast episode in the future, but um, I didn't know I was a creative person for probably the first 20 odd years of my life. And I just, I, and I was, I was so frustrated because I just, I had all this creativity inside of me, but I didn't know I was a creative person because I didn't draw, I couldn't sing, I couldn't act, I couldn't take nice pictures. My creativity comes from a different place that I've discovered now. And the day I gave myself permission to be creative and and pursue a life of creativity, my whole life changed. So giving yourself, I think we all spend our lives waiting for other people to tell us that we're okay. I mean, when we're teenagers, we're waiting for people to tell us we're pretty enough and we're cool enough and we're popular enough. And then when we're getting old, we're waiting for people to tell us we're smart enough and we're good enough and we're successful enough. Whereas really, we can just tell us ourselves and then we can go for it. Because if our journeys are fueled by other people's approval, we're not going to get very far. Yeah, you hit the nail on the head. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. I love that. So thank you. Thank you for sharing that. And um, the last one is, what are you working hard to make happen right now? And how can we all get involved and just support you along the way in your journey? Yeah, I love that you have that question. That's such a gen question (laughs) to ask. How can can we support you? I love that. Um, So right now, like I mentioned earlier, I'm transitioning into uh, providing e-courses and e-books and just kind of more informational tools for my audience. So this month I will be launching my first course. Um, I'm super excited about that. And I'll also be doing a couple free online classes to 
help people to get people to grow their audience, their income. So super excited about both of those things. So launching my first course and then also doing a couple free online classes um, in tandem with that. So if anybody's interested in um, these courses or just kind of up leveling their business or their blog, they can go to the Nectar Collective and subscribe to get updates. So I'll be sharing I'll probably be launching it to definitely be launching it, launching it to my email subscribers first because they're my my main crew. So I will be launching into them first. So if anyone's interested, you can sign up on my blog and get be the first to know about everything that's coming out. It's going to be awesome. And definitely get on the Nectar Collective's list because you send like the best downloadables. Oh, thank you. Like I don't even expect them sometimes and they just arrive in my inbox. So yes, I'm <laughs> I'm really excited to see what you've been working on. And just to, just to see what's next for you. I think it's really brave that you're following your intuition, as you said, and you're just leaving, you're leaving behind a successful business and just leaping into something awesome and new. So I'm, I'm really excited for you. And thank you so much for coming on the show today. Thank you, Jen. This has been so awesome. And there we have it, episode number 14 of the Make It Happen podcast. As always, if you head over to jennyperr.co.uk slash podcast, you can catch all of the show notes from today's episode. And you can also subscribe to the Make It Happen mailing list too to receive episodes straight to your inbox each week. Thank you so much for listening today and look out for a brand new episode each and every Thursday.